Whose side are you on? In these days when the rules of civility seem to be disappearing and a certain gentleman in Moscow has the whole world in upheaval, I find myself turning the pages of Amor Toll's newest novel, The Lincoln Highway. It's a fanciful tale of adventure across the U.S. I turn to where the wonderful words of Wallace Woolley Walcott wonder, have you ever noticed how many questions begin with the letter W? Who, what, when, where, which, and why? Woolley ponders aloud, all those centuries ago when words were first being coined, what was it about the sound of the W that made the coiners of the word use it for all sorts of questions? Sort of makes you feel sorry for the W, doesn't it? It's a pretty big burden to carry. All those questions. Especially since half the time when someone asks you a question with a W, they aren't really asking you a question. They're making a statement in disguise. You ever been at a conference when during the Q&A someone stands up and pretends to ask a question but is really making a statement for the whole room? We have so many questions, but whose side are you on seems to be the big question of the day. Are you with Ukraine or Russia? Are you with the MLB Players Association or the owners? I saw this week where two of the Braves are working at Papa John's. Dansby Swanson and Jock Peterson have found themselves temporary new jobs during the lockout. They each took a shift at Papa John's in Marietta last week, making pizzas and folding boxes for hungry customers. Papa John's had sent out the call for players willing to take on the position, tweeting out a photo about the gig. Are you a pro ball player with too much free time during this prolonged offseason? If your team isn't doing much lately, why not join ours? Both later shared their video application showing off their pizza production skills. So, whose side are you on? The Cinderella's or the number one seeds as you ponder your brackets this week? A more inclusive church or a more exclusive church? Are you OTP or ITP folks? My daughter says we're at the perimeter, ATP, making us an interesting mix of all sides. One recent college grad said, every time I go home and go out to dinner with my parents, they get into an argument about the mashed potatoes, the rice, or the french fries. And I always tell them, I'm not choosing sides. But we do. We do choose sides. We work so hard to get people on our side to agree with us, to see our point of view. If you'll tell me which side you're on, then I can make a decision about our relationship or if we can even have a relationship. Our text today as we continue with Jesus on this journey to Jerusalem is full of questions. What? Who? Which? And asks us to ponder, just whose side are you on? Hear the good news from Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 25 to 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked, Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by 
on the other side. But a Samaritan while traveling came near him and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and when I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the good news according to the Gospel of Luke. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your call on us to see others as neighbors. Help us to look where you have us look. Amen. A Sunday school teacher was telling her class the story of the Good Samaritan. She asked the kids, if you saw a person lying on the roadside, all wounded and bleeding, what would you do? One thoughtful little girl broke the hushed silence saying, I think I'd throw up. And that is what we often want to do in the face of so much human suffering, so much human need. We throw up our hands and surrender. Where do we start? A lawyer, a student of the law, stands up to confront Jesus. Some people just seem to thrive on conflict. Now, a lawyer in the first century Israel was really more of a theologian because the law was the first five books of the Old Testament and to know the law was to know the purpose and the teaching of the Hebrew scriptures. You obeyed the law to please God, not to stay out of court. The lawyer says, I need to ask you a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The lawyer stands up to confront Jesus, to test him. It's the same word that is used at Jesus' temptation. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He asks to try and set Jesus up. Now, my first response would have been, well, for you to inherit something, someone has to die. As Jesus had his face set to Jerusalem, to the cross and to death. In Jesus' response to the lawyer's confrontation, though, he tries to take things down a notch, engaging, not escalating, ask the, the, asking the lawyer to lean into his own expertise. Since, like any good lawyer, he probably is asking a question he thinks he already knows the answer to. Jesus responds with his own what's. What's written in the law? What do you read there? What has all your study taught you? So the lawyer quotes back to Jesus the law, Deuteronomy 6, Leviticus 19. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. There, that was easy. And Jesus says, you've given the orthodox answer. You know the right answer. Now go and do that and you will live. Live out of what you already know to be true and you will live into the world to come. In fact, you can participate in the kingdom of God now by loving God and loving neighbor. I imagine the lawyer starting to sit down when he realized he could still put Jesus on the spot with yet another question. We're told in the text that he wanted to justify himself, to make him look right in front of the crowd. And he asks, and who is my neighbor? Now, when our children were little, my wife Elizabeth was trying to teach the same story to our children. She asked our four-year-old twins, who are our neighbors? They were stumped. We lived in the country, in Butts County, and they finally came up with Patrick who lived across the street. And then they said, we have neighbor cows. Cows are our neighbors. Forever to be known as the neighbor cows. Wouldn't it be easier if only the only neighbors we had to deal with were cows? Mark Lambic recently said, I can't believe one of our neighbors had the audacity to ring my doorbell at two in the morning. Lucky for him, Mark said, I was still up playing my accordion.
Who are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood? The lawyer's question was not asked with the innocence of Sesame Street. The lawyer wants to know, just who do I have to include or who do I get to exclude? He wanted a legal definition he could refer to in case the question of loving neighbor ever came up. I love the way Frederick Beekner puts it. He said the lawyer presumably wanted something on the order of a definition. A neighbor, here and after referred to as the party of the first part, is to be construed as meaning a person of Jewish descent whose legal residence is within a radius of no more than three statute miles from one's own legal residence unless there's another person of Jewish descent here and after referred to as the party of the second part living closer to the party of the first part than the one is oneself, in which case the party of the second part is to be construed as neighbor to the party of the first part and the one is oneself relieved of all responsibility of any kind whatsoever. Instead, Jesus told him a story. A priest, a Levite, a Samaritan walk into a bar. Wait, let me try that again. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan walk down a road. Let me try it again. A priest, a rabbi, and a chicken walk into a bar. The bartender says, nope, we don't do jokes here, get out. And the chicken says, come on guys, I know a place across the road. Jesus tells the story we know almost too well, the Good Samaritan. And although the word good does not appear in the scripture, it is by the actions of the Samaritan that we call him good. You remember, there was a certain man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, a dangerous road full of places for robbers to hide. He must have been going it alone, seldom a good idea. Because he is robbed, stripped, beaten, and left for dead, Soon Jesus will travel up that road to Jerusalem and will be stripped, beaten, and left for dead. A priest, a religious professional like myself, came by and noticed the wounded man and passed by on the other side. A Levite, a faithful religious person like many of you, noticed him and also passed by on the other side. But then a Samaritan. Picture who you ever think is on the other side from you. Consider the issues of the day that bother you the most. Think of someone who disagrees with you about those issues. That is your Samaritan. The Samaritan is someone who you might despise or look down on, someone you would not want to walk across the street to speak to. That is the one in the story who crosses over to help. This must have made the lawyer's blood boil because when Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell among the hands of robbers? The lawyer can't even say the word Samaritan. And so through clenched teeth, I imagine he says, "Ugh, the one, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says to the inquisitive lawyer, go and do likewise. What? You want me to cross the road to help people I disagree with? But they're so wrong. You want me to cross the road to help people I despise? Come on, Jesus. Just whose side are you on? James Moore says it this way, there are three types of people in this story. They're the cold-hearted people who create conflict. They're the robbers of this world who think nothing of robbing and beating someone else, taking what is not theirs. And some people, as you know, walk down the road of life with cold, cold hearts. The second type are the calculating type, the calculating priest and the Levite who avoid conflict. They do the cost-benefit analysis and pass by on the other side. Some people calculate their way down the road of life. And finally, the compassionate Samaritan. 
he crosses the road and seeks to make peace to help someone in need like this good Samaritan. Take a look. Tonight, only on KCRE 3, a woman was stuck inside this burning car on Interstate 80 until a good Samaritan stepped in. He was there to help me, and that, that's a blessing. This car burning on the side of the freeway Wednesday night with the Sacramento area woman stuck inside. It could have blown at any time. It went that fast. Christine Smith of Antelope says she, her husband, and their granddaughter were driving on I-80 near the Riverside exit when their trip turned tense. And I just heard the pop underneath and I figured we had a flat tire. But whatever they hit caused the car to burst into flames. It was a struggle for Christine to get out since she just had knee surgery and her loved ones could not help. I wasn't thinking of anybody stopping in that situation because the fire was so big. But then Elton Ward came into the picture. And then I see this car in flames. So I'm like, that's insane. Elton was driving with his daughter and knew he had to pull over. He grabbed Christine out of the burning car just in time. Literally a matter of 30 seconds. Boom, first explosion. Loud, big, big explosion. Then when that explosion happens, huge flames come up. She would not <laughs> let me go. That's said, nope. Said, but you became my grandson that day. <laughs> Elton says even though no one else did, stopping to help was the right thing to do. We all got grandmas, grandpas, little nieces, nephews, brothers, whatever. If y'all see my people, I want you to try to help my people. So that's somebody's people. As he said, that is somebody's people. The Good Samaritan does not stop there. After bandaging the wounds and pouring oil on them, he put the hurt man on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then he went out of his way to help. Now, this could also be called the parable of the bad priest or the lazy Levite or the rotten robbers, but we call it the Good Samaritan. Why? Because the Good Samaritan stopped. When's the last time you really stopped? Stop to look at the hurt right in front of you. My friend Derek says it this way, Church, we're called to love the person in front of us every day, but that means we have to stop. And Lent is a time to stop to stop long enough to recognize the struggles going on across the road, to face what matters in this world. The Good Samaritan was not only compassionate, he was thorough. He made sure the man was in good hands, binding his wounds, staying the night, paying for his care. And the scandal of the story is this, when someone on the other side, the other side of the aisle or the issue or the road or the world is victimized, we're called to comfort them, to care for them, to bind up their wounds and then to fund their recovery. Whenever I read this story, I imagine Jesus is the one beaten by the side of the road. What if he was telling a story from his own experience? The priest who was supposed to be an example of God's presence on earth could not be bothered. The same for the Levite who walked by. And the one Jesus would have been taught to hate his whole life by the prejudice of his fellow villagers in Nazareth, a Samaritan crosses the road to help him. And this time there is room for Jesus at the inn. Jesus' family in the beginning of the story is rejected by the innkeeper. And for me, this part of the story redeems that innkeeper. Now, the Samaritan pays some up front, but says, I'll come back at some point in the future and repay you. He just didn't leave his credit card on file, or maybe he was known by the innkeeper because that Samaritan had helped more than one person. I still think the innkeeper is a person of great faith in the passage, willing to care for the one who is hurting with only the promise of a payment. The innkeeper has shown great mercy. 
Now, some of us are better at being good Samaritans. We see a problem, we go and fix it. Like Dr. Melissa White and her trauma team at Grady, we are quick to lend a hand and then move on to the next crisis. But I admire innkeepers, friends. They are in it for the long haul. They're caring for an aging parent or child with special needs or walking with someone through long, difficult diagnosis. They are the long-term care people. There, day in and day out, you know who you are, dealing with the chronic illness that feels like there's no end in sight. Maybe this should also be called the parable of the compassionate innkeeper. Friends, are you a good Samaritan or more of an innkeeper? Both showed compassion to those in need. Or are you so busy moving so fast through life that you seldom stop for yourself or anyone else? Or maybe you're so convinced that your side of the road is the right side of the road that you're not willing to cross over even when someone is hurting or they are in need. This picture shows such care. Polish women left their strollers at the train station for Ukrainian mothers who would be arriving with so little. Good Samaritans, compassionate innkeepers. Jesus, whose side are you on? And Jesus said, I'm with those who are hurting the most today. The victims, the broken, they are also your neighbors. Comfort them, care for them, bind up their wounds, pray for their care and pay for their care. But I really dislike them. Jesus is on the side of the Samaritan on the, and the innkeeper, but also on the side of the priest, the Levite and the robbers. Jesus is always willing to go to the other side even after people reject him. Friends, even the chicken crossed the road. How about you? Good Samaritans needed. You can click the link on our website to give to the Ukraine. You can show up for the great day of service next Saturday. Are you ready to cross the road where you're needed? Amen.